Welcome to NC Talks. Today we speak to Dr. Edward Halliwell, a child and adult psychiatrist, leading ADHD authority, New York Times best-selling author, world-renowned speaker, and the founder of the Halliwell Centers for Cognitive and Emotional Health, located across the USA. Dr. Halliwell is a graduate of Harvard College and Tulane School of Medicine, and was a Harvard Medical School faculty member for 20 years. Today we discuss the current outlook on ADHD and its diagnosis and treatment, as well as debates in the field and how it continues to shift in perception and treatment. First, please could you tell us a little about your background and your current work? I'm a child and adult psychiatrist, board certified in psychiatry, and I've been in practice for over 30 years. I'm 66 years old. I uh, trained at Harvard and served on the Harvard Medical School faculty for a number of years until I left that to spend more time writing books. Um, I've written some 20 books, uh, including uh, the best-selling books on attention deficit disorder, uh, Driven to Distraction, Delivered from Distraction. And um, uh, I've been treating people who have this condition uh, since 1983, uh, both children and adults. In addition, I, I have ADD myself. I still call it ADD because that's what it was called when I learned about it. Technically, it should be called ADHD. Mm. Uh, but uh, uh, I have I have it myself, and I also have dyslexia. I know in, in the U.K., uh, dyslexia is used at a, as a broader term than it is in the U.S. In the U.S., it just refers to uh, a reading problem where you're, sl- you're a slow reader. <clears throat> and and uh, I've always, uh, you know, been... One of the points I try to make is that these conditions uh, need not disable. I think the, the, the disorder model uh, does a disservice because they are usually associated with uh, tremendous talent, and, that, and that's the paradox. You have the so-called disability, ADD, dyslexia, and yet embedded in that are extraordinary talents. I for example, with my dyslexia, majored in English at Harvard and graduated with high honors, and I've written 20 books. And mm. uh, your very own Winston Churchill, uh, who had dyslexia, and he won the Nobel Prize for Literature. So, mm. so uh, the the common conception of these conditions as purely disabilities is 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 a, a big mistake. And the reason that's problematic is the real disabling force is feeling something's bad about you, feeling like you're a loser, feeling like you're less than, feeling shame and fear and anxiety around learning, and, and uh, uh, that's what disables someone. So I think it's critical when we diagnose these conditions in someone of any age, but particularly children, uh, that we make it clear that uh, if you manage these conditions properly, uh, you're a winner in the making. And the way I describe it to kids is I say, you know, you've got a, you've got a Ferrari engine for a brain. You've got a really powerful brain. Mm. Uh, the problem is you have bicycle brakes. And I say, but not to worry, I'm a brake specialist. And, and that really sums up the uh, ADD, you know, the, 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 uh, a lot of power, creativity, imagination, uh, originality, uh, but trouble controlling it. Mm. And, and as they learn control, then they can excel. If they don't, uh, then they're at great risk. And, and it is absolutely true that the, uh, the prison population is overrepresented, people with ADD and dyslexia. So is the old of the unemployed and, and the uh, multiply divorced and the uh, people who are addicted. So 
it's very high stakes poker, uh, you know, and, and that's why it's so important to <clears throat> diagnose it uh, early and provide uh, the treatments uh, as soon as you can. So, sort of to go back to that, what uh, treatments and methods of management are currently offered following ADHD diagnosis? Yeah, well, <clears throat> the, the most important by far is education. You really need to make sure the child, the parent, the teacher, those are the three key players, mm. understand what this is and what it isn't. Uh, there's so many misconceptions. It doesn't mean you're stupid. It doesn't mean you can't excel and win a Nobel Prize. There are Nobel Prize winners who have ADD. It doesn't mean you can't uh, achieve your dreams at all. And very often it's presented as if it were a, a dream killer, you know, and, and it, it, it need not be. It can be uh, if you don't present it properly. So education is key. What is this? What is this not? And, and what it is, it means you're more distractible than the average person, you're more impulsive than the average person, you're more restless than the average person, but you take those three negatives and turn them on its head and you get positives. Mm. And then, you know, the flip side of distractibility is curiosity. But the flip side of impulsivity is creativity. You know, what is creativity but impulsivity going right? You don't mm. plan to have a creative thought. You don't say it's 10 o'clock, time for my creative idea, you know, play it like an egg. Uh, they, they depend upon disinhibition. They depend upon weak breaks, if you will. Mm. And restlessness, when you get to be my age, it's called energy. So, <laughs> they, you know, you, you want to you wanna present it in a way that the child, the parent, and teacher can say, okay, we have work to do. We've got to strengthen these breaks. But at the same time, if we do that work, then we have a champion in the making. So education is absolutely critical. And it's the step that's almost always overlooked. Mm. You know, people just leap into uh, medication. Well, that's a big mistake uh, because the context in which you're taking the medication makes all the difference in the world, how you feel about what you've got while you're taking the pill. Uh, if you don't do that, the kid just thinks, oh, this is my stupid pill, you know, and, and, it, and you get really substandard results. So, so education, framing it properly, if you as the doctor don't have time to do that, refer them to one of my books. They're, they're very easy to read. They're written for a lay audience and, and uh, really critical that mom, dad, child, teacher say, okay, we've got work to do here. We've got to strengthen these breaks, but it, it's in the service of, of creating a champion. Okay, so step one is education. Uh, then uh, medication, and, and this is where people get nervous because they're sort of afraid of these meds, which is a shame because stimulant medication is... Uh, as long as it's used properly, is very safe. And uh, uh, it, the, the basic standard is you, you want to have target symptom improvement with no side effects other than appetite suppression without unwanted weight loss. You almost always do get appetite suppression. And if you start losing a lot of weight, you have to stop the medication. Uh, all the other side effects are much less common, but they're immediately, immediately reversible by stopping the medicine or lowering the dose. Mm. And those include elevated heart rate, elevated blood pressure, headache, nausea, insomnia, agitation, uh, sometimes personality change. People sort of feel like they've lost their spark, their special sauce, their charisma. Uh, if anything like that happens, you just stop it. And, you know, that's why these you know, people say, well, it made me into a zombie. Well, it shouldn't last more than a few hours. So if you become a zombie, stop it. <laughs> and it's just common sense, you know, and... and uh, the meds are in and out of your system in a matter of hours, so you know there's uh, there should be no long-term uh, lingering side effects whatsoever. Uh, 
Uh, and you get about an 80% success rate. 80% of the time, you can get the desired result, target symptom improvement, with no side effects other than appetite suppression without unwanted weight loss. Um, uh, 80% is pretty good batting average. Yeah. That means 20, 20% you don't get the result. In my own case, meds do not work for me, so uh, I rely on the non-medication interventions that we have. And in my case, it's find the right job and marry the right person. <laughs> and, and, uh, um, but uh, uh, 80% is pretty darn good. And the, the, the sad part is most people, and I know this is true in the U.K. as well, certainly in this country, uh, are afraid of the meds, so they don't want to try them. Mm. And that, and that and that really makes no sense. I mean, unless it's against your religion, there's no reason not to give medication a try. Um, if, if it's going to help, it's a godsend. When they work, they're as dramatic and effective as eyeglasses, and very comparable to eyeglasses. <laughs> uh, and if and if they were, if they don't work, you've lost nothing. You just you know you go back to where you were, and then and and off you go. So, and then the. So then, in, and then once you once you've done the meds and you know, they are they are either working or not, then you implement. And the reason you start with the meds is because it makes everything else easier if the meds work. Okay. And the the rest of it is lifestyle change, coaching, learn training, and so-called executive function, organizing, planning, prioritizing, time management with older people, money management, uh, all the sweating the details, which people with ADD find difficult to do, forgetting the details and that kind of thing. So. Training in lifestyle management, uh, organization, executive function, and then the, uh, the you know the obvious physical interventions that everyone knows about, but sometimes overlooks: getting enough sleep, regular physical exercise, eating properly, learning how to meditate. Meditation has been proven to be very helpful in ADD. And then the 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 other factor that nobody ever talks about except me: positive human contact. These kids and adults, for that matter, often go through their day with nothing but uh, uh, correction, remediation, redirection. Uh, you need to have some positive relationships, and, and uh, I call it the other vitamin C, vitamin connect. And regular doses of, of uh, vitamin connect are, are tremendously helpful. That's why everyone with ADD, well, everyone in general, but particularly everyone with ADD ought to have a dog. I pres prescribe dogs for all my patients because dogs are uh, God's greatest invention, and, and we, they, they are just infinite suppliers of, of love and connection. <laughs> so that, that's, a, that's a summary of a, <clears throat> of a treatment plan, you know, education, medication, and then uh, executive function training, coaching, and lifestyle modification. Hmm. So you've, I guess you've kind of touched on this, but in your opinion, what, if any, are the current deficits in the diagnostic and treatment protocols for ADHD, and how do you uh, envisage these could be overcome? Well, the, the biggest uh, deficit, if you will, or, or problem, is people not spending enough time making the diagnosis. Mm. And that's because, at least in the U.S., the insurance system doesn't allow for it. So you really shouldn't make this diagnosis in five minutes. You know, you, you want to take a careful history, and the best test we have is the history. Mm. Uh, and oftentimes, at the same time, people just use a lot of checklists, and uh, that's not what you, what you need. You need a, a well, uh, you know, a history taken with care, and um, uh, uh, consideration of other conditions that can look like ADD, 
<clears throat> sometimes uh, depression or medical problem like hyperthyroidism, mm-hmm. uh, lead intoxication. These, these can be masqueraders. So you want to take a careful history, uh, sometimes medical tests, uh, and then you can supplement it with neuropsychological testing. So that whole process done properly, you know, takes time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and 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 as long as you do it carefully. Uh, the results you get uh, are reliable. If you if you do it in a slipshod fashion, you'll get false negatives and false positives. Mm. And then the problems in treatment. Well, uh, if you have the proper diagnosis, uh, the treatment can only things can only get better. Even if medication doesn't work or you choose not to use it, uh, the uh, executive function training and lifestyle modification will lead to improvement as will education. So once you get off of what I call the moral diagnosis, you need to try harder, you're a bad child, you're a lazy person. You know, those moral diagnoses do tremendous damage. And so once you get removed from the moral diagnosis to the medical diagnosis, you have a wiring difference, genetically transmitted. This is a genetically inherited condition. You have a wiring difference, not a moral infirmity. That in and of itself is, is therapeutic, you know. So, so uh, uh, things can only get better if you have the right diagnosis. And, and you know, a doctor or a treatment team that knows what it's doing. Mm. So, um, kind of to follow on from your point about uh, medication earlier, so the cause, symptoms, and treatments for ADHD are widely discussed in the media with the concept of ADHD itself sometimes branded as a controversial topic. And debates often centre around whether ADHD is a mental disorder or rather a neurological description of a normal condition. And as, as such, should it be medically treated? What's your view on this debate? Well, I, I, I think it is a neurological condition. Uh, and the notion of uh, should it be treated or not, it seems to me that's a, that's a, uh, uh, that's a no-brainer. I mean, if, if we have a treatment that makes your life better, you should have it. Yeah. You wouldn't withhold it on philosophical grounds. Well, this is a neurological variant, therefore we will not offer you the interventions we have to make life better. And that's absurd. Like, no, you should not get eyeglasses. You should squint harder because this is a normal variation on vision. And if you can't see well, squint harder. Strengthen those eye muscles, you know. Mm. I mean, that, that's the, the people who say we shouldn't treat it. It's absurd. I mean, they're, they're clinging to sort of a... Someone called it uh, psychopharmacological Calvinism. You know, they're 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 clinging to a notion of uh, naturalism that uh, that makes a mockery of, of medicine. Mm. But we are we're doctors. We're here to help people live better. And if if we can do that without causing harm, that that's our business. That's our calling. That's our profession. Mm. And the beauty of this diagnosis and treatment is it really changes lives for the better. It's a doctor's dream come true. Mm. People's lives change dramatically for the better with no downside, no downside, only a wonderful upside. I mean, I, the reason I love my job, I go to work, I'm on my way to work right now. I'm going to see patients who are, you know, experiencing wonderful change for the better in their lives, whether they're 10 years old or 50 years old, you know. And, and uh, so it, it's a silly debate. It's really a debate of... Uh, People who like to spend their time arguing, you know, if you, you know, if you if you back up and look at it, uh, it, it 
you know, there's something, if you can do something to make your life better, the counties with it, no risk or downside, why in the world would you not do it? That's what we doctors are in the business of doing. So um, you're saying before that you've been in the industry for a long time now, uh, or in the field yeah. of ADHD. So how yeah. has uh, perception, diagnosis, and treatment changed since you first started to practice? Oh, my God. When I started way back, when I first learned about it in 1981, when I was a fellow in training, a lot of people uh, ridiculed the diagnosis. They said, this doesn't exist. This is an invention of the... Uh, yuppies, you know, that's an American term for, you know, sort of pampered upper-middle-class people who want to help their children get out of doing homework. Uh, this is a shibboleth. This is nonsense. Uh, life is hard. Get used to it. Try harder. Mm. And um, and it was very much a stiff upper lip and, 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 and stop complaining. And that I would I would have people who literally would say that to me. This is nonsense. Uh, I remember I was... Uh, uh, on a, one show, and the interviewer said, well, why, "Why couldn't a good stiff shot of bourbon, you know, do as much as your treatments?" And you know, it was just just uh, really ignorant um, uh, objections. And, and by the way, depression went through this. There was a time when the diagnosis of depression, people ridiculed and said, "You know, shape up, try harder, and stop complaining." And, and depression is is a bogus concept. And and uh, Again, that moral model dies slowly. Mm. So in the evolution since 1981, it's been dramatic. I mean, we still contend with the forces of, you know, the moral diagnosis, try harder, shape up. But we've come a long, long way. We Now we have hard scientific evidence. You know, this is clearly a genetic condition. It's highly heritable. MRI shows differences in the brain. The PET scans show difference at the level of metabolism, glucose uptake, energy use. Um, you know, where anyone who now says this doesn't exist is like saying the world is flat. I mean, it's just completely contrary to, you know, scientific evidence. And any responsible person acknowledges that. So it's wonderful. In, in 30 years, you know, or more than that, 35 years, I've seen a, a condition go from being ridiculed, sort of the the outskirts of acceptable conversation, to um, mainstream uh, knowledge. I, I think the, the the future, though, we still have work to do. Yeah. I'd like to see more neurologists get involved in treatment um, because it is, say, neurological in, in, in nature. Um, I'd like to really put to route the stigma. Uh, so these kids are not marginalized, so they don't feel ashamed. And so we have work to do with teachers uh, so that they're not, these kids are recognized as the potential superstars that they are as opposed to the the weak, uh, the, the weak part of the, uh, the team that needs special help. And um, so there's a lot of work to do, but we've made a lot of progress. I, I feel very optimistic. And the fact that you're picking this up and the, um, you know that the the UK and America, you know, we, we're 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 siblings, if you will, or you're our parents, and uh, and uh, uh, it's wonderful to see the interest that's growing over there. Mm, definitely. So, and um, sort of follow on from that. Finally, where do you hope that the field will be in, say, five to ten years' time? Well, I, I hope we have a. I, I hope we have a shorter diagnostic test so so that we can, given the constraints of insurance and whatnot, we can make the diagnosis reliably and quickly. That would be wonderful. 
Great, thank you. So that brings our questions to a close. Do you have any final remarks that you'd like to add? Just to stress the the positive side of this condition usually gets overlooked, and and it's a uh, these kids and these adults are are once they get going, they're they're game changers. They're the entrepreneurs. They're the the you know the kind of people who colonized America. They're the the dreamers. I mean, think about it. Who would get on a boat in 1600 in England and come over here? You know, it pulled for a very special kind of person, and that's ADD. Our gene pool is just loaded with it. it and also, they tend to be very big-hearted, very generous. They'll give away the store, you know. They're, uh, but they're also very persistent and tenacious to the point of being stubborn. Uh, they can get into trouble with their impulsivity, that's for sure. They're more prone to substance abuse than other people, and so they can get in trouble that way. Uh, but they're a wonderful group. It's like a group of uh, wild stallions. You know, I sort of got in the business of helping them uh, tame them, not break them, but but uh, help them, you know, get along with other horses, I guess. And, and uh, but it's a but it's a it's a wonderful group of people. They can get into tremendous trouble. That's for sure. The prisons are full of them. But but they also can contribute mightily to the world. So uh, again, I think we need to recognize the upside and not just think of it as a disability. Thank you for listening to this NC Talks podcast from Neurology Central. For more podcasts, as well as to read exclusive interviews, journal articles and news, visit www.neurology-central.com.